at the end of this week. It'll be six years ago that we moved here. Uh, and we have two very beautiful children, a little boy called Leo uh, and a little girl called Noah, which I appreciate is a little bit out there. Uh, we quite, quite often get the, ooh, that's unusual. Uh, and it is a little bit. It's got no H on the end, which is the feminine version of Noah. Uh, so there we go. Uh, I am a teacher. I've been teaching for uh, eight years, and um, I'm very much enjoying my summer holidays, of which I've already had two weeks. Uh, yeah, I know. For the teachers of you, other teachers of you in the room, I know it's just a bit rubber in, but I've already had two weeks. There we go. So I want to start by saying that we love this church a lot. We love it here. And uh, it is a privilege for me to be with you this morning uh, speaking. Um, and uh, this morning's message comes uh, is, is the second in the summer series uh, called The Restoration Man. Last week, John spoke to you about the resurrection. We were actually on holiday last week, uh, but I've listened to it on the podcast. Mainly to check that John didn't steal anything I was going to say this morning, uh, but also to catch up with preachers uh, that we've missed. It's good to do. Uh, so this morning, I'm going to be speaking to you on imparting courage, and it's centered around uh, John chapter 20, verses 19 to 23. So if you've got your Bibles, phones, tablets, stone tablets with you, we'll get stuck in. Uh, if not, the words will appear bef- uh, behind me. There they are, in fact. Uh, I'm going to be reading from the ESV this morning. So it might be a little bit different from the version that you've got in front of you. So, let's read together. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you, Jesus, that you are living and alive. Father God, thank you that we can come to you this morning and give you our all. And Father, I pray this morning that the words that I've prepared would be uh, from you, Jesus. I pray that you would speak through me this morning. Father, would you bless us? Open hearts, open our hearts this morning to hear your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, I'm going to take you through three points this morning, uh, which themes which I feel arise from this passage. Uh, the first one is fear. The second one is peace, and the third is courage. So, let's start with fear. If we can have the next slide up, you'll probably... There we go, fear. Uh, You'll probably... Oh, no, it's gone to the next one. Thank you. You'll probably recognize some of these. These are phobias, which are kinds of fears. But can anybody tell me what they actually are? What are they phobias of? Any ideas? Octophobia. Somebody might have an idea of octophobia. Fear of the number eight, yes, octophobia. You can also have uh, quintophobia, which is fear of the number five, septophobia. You can have fear of actually any number. Uh, A uh, a pentherophobia, pentherophobia, anyone? No? It's actually fear of your Uh, (laughs) mother-in-law. Yep, that's a good one. Technophobia, we all know technophobia, surely. 
Fear of technology, yes. Fear of technology, yes. And the last one, anyone have a go, have a go at saying the last one? <laughs> Hippopotamostrosa quipadil something or other phobia. Yes, that one is actually fear of long words. <laughs> Would you believe it? Yeah, that is great. Brilliant. So they are all fears. In fact, the definition of fear is an unpleasant emotion caused by a threat of danger, pain, or harm. Science will tell you that fear is a cocktail of chemicals delivered through your body. But I believe fear stretches far deeper than those things. It stretches into your soul. Imagine a time when you were really, truly afraid. What went through your head? I'm sure it wasn't, oh, what a lovely day it is outside. Or, aha, there goes those pesky chemicals again. Oh, they're so annoying. Fear has the ability to completely overpower us. We can react to, fi- oh, sorry. We react to fear in an instinctive way. We fight or we flight. Charles Stanley, an American pastor, said this about fear. Fear stifles our thinking and actions. It creates indecisiveness that's result, uh, that results in stagnation. I have known talented people who procrastinate indefinitely rather than risk failure. Lost opportunities cause erosion of confidence and the downward spiral begins. When I was 13, I signed up to go caving. Now, I do not enjoy closed spaces, but the teacher was super cool, and I wanted to impress, so off I went. On the first day, we're driving in the minibus, and we arrive at a field. Now, in my head, I'm thinking, this is a little odd because we're supposed to be going caving. And in my head, I had a picture of, you know, like a cliff face with, you know, a cave in it. Uh, or some kind of, you know, something big with a big hole in it. Uh, but I was just thinking, oh, this is a little odd. And uh, I'm 13. I'm surrounded by my peers and this really cool teacher. So I, I don't ask silly questions because, you know, that would be ridiculous. So we walk into the field and arrive at a hole which is a generous term because it is tiny, tiny. You would miss it if you hadn't, didn't know where it was. And it's at this point that I start to freak out. As far as I'm concerned, as soon as I step foot in this hole, clam, clamber down, it's not a hole drop, it's a kind of a hole and then there's like a sliding bit and there's rushing water, I'm going to get crushed Okay, I'm going to suffocate, the walls are going to collapse in, this cave which has stood for thousands of years is going to give up and is going to destroy me, and I panic. I'm hyperventilating, I'm crying, I'm screaming, really not my finest moment and exceptionally embarrassing in front of my friends. Anyway, two weeks ago, we were camping just outside of Bude, and it's, we're staying in this beautiful campsite. There are views out over the sea, it is stunning and also exceptionally exposed to the elements. And on the second night when we're there, the wind gusts up to what it feels like, I think it felt like 100 miles an hour, but it was, it was about 40 miles an hour gusting. And I'm walking around the tent, burying tent bags, terrified that our tent is going to blow away. I even, have to, I even move our car next to the tent to try and deflect some of the wind from hitting off the tent. Uh, and we're lying in bed just praying that we're going to wake up in the same place because we're terrified that we're going to wake up in a different place. Anyway, a few days later, uh, somebody arrives on campsite and he says, oh, it's a bit windy last night. 
And I said to him, you have absolutely no idea what the wind was like three or four days ago. Now, if you try to explain to my 13-year-old self that I was feeling an unpleasant emotion and that it was just some chemicals rushing around my body, I probably would have actually hit you, to be honest. The same is true of our disciples at this point in the story. Let's look at verse 19. The doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Let's look at where we are in the story. It's been an emotional few days for the disciples. Jesus had died and their whole belief system as they had known it has collapsed. Was he really the son of God? Was everything he said about himself true? The Jewish rulers would have been hunting down any followers of Jesus, wanting to snub out any hint of the story unfolding anymore. They knew what Jesus had been saying about himself being raised from the dead, and they would have wanted to catch the disciples to stop them raising any hysteria from the public. Two of those disciples had even left Jerusalem completely, although, along with a handful of others, had claimed to have seen Jesus, and we are now at a point where where they are gathered together. You can imagine the scene, can't you? A collection of scared, excited men, Belief, unbelief, grief, mourning, fear. Fear has crippled the disciples. As I mentioned before, fear has the ability to close you down, stop you thinking rationally. It torments us, entrenches us, surrounds us. Fear can either come like a rushing wind or it can sneak up on you like a lion hunting its prey. Fear can stop us from achieving our full potential in God and is therefore a core weapon in the arsenal of the devil. You would think that fear would be an easy thing to confess, but so often those of us who are gripped by fear, fear telling anyone about it. So it is with the disciples. They are trapped behind the very door they have put in place to protect themselves. Some of them have even seen Jesus, and yet they're in the room as well. They are together behind that locked door. Perhaps this morning you are like one of the disciples. You have yet to see Jesus, and you're afraid of what's behind the door. Or maybe you have seen Jesus, but you're afraid of what the outside world will say. Just like them, you need what happens next. You need peace. Let's look on into the second half of verse 19 to 20. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. There are a couple of things to notice about this as we move on. Jesus enters through a locked door. How many people do you know that can walk through locked doors? I Personally, I don't actually know anyone who can walk through a locked door. It is a reflection of the miracle of the resurrection. As John told us last week, the grave clothes would have been left perfectly intact. Jesus passed through the grave clothes and in the same same way passes through the door into the room, displaying to those inside that he truly is the Son of God. Jesus wasn't invited in. He didn't knock. The disciples didn't say, come to us, Lord. He was just there. Jesus comes in and takes control of the situation. He identifies the fear behind the door and bursts in. Can you imagine it? Just place yourself there. 
The disciples are gathered around, nervous whispering, awkward silences, and then, boom, Jesus is there. Ellen will tell you, I'm a fairly jumpy person. I jump at the slightest pop. Jesus appears in the room. That would have totally taken me over the edge. I would have probably passed out. I say probably, I definitely would have passed out. Jesus announces peace. In fact, he announces shalom. Shalom is the Hebrew word for peace, but our slightly stunted English language doesn't quite translate the meaning of the word fully. Shalom can also mean safety, contentment, healing, salvation, to name a few. It's a greeting to say well-being. I wish well-being upon you. Uh, sorry, I've lost my place. When Jesus greets the disciples, it's not with a, hey, how's it going? Whoa, peace out. Okay? He doesn't come in and make a big scene. Well, he does, but he doesn't make a big thing of it. He says, uh, he greets them with a heavenly peace, a peace with love, with joy, with understanding, with victory. Now place yourself back in that room. Place your fear in front of you. Place the fear of the disciples in front of you. Jesus appears and says to you, Shalom. Shalom. His appearing before them and showing them the scars in his hands and his sides solidifies everything for the disciples. Everything he had taught them begins to click into place. Jesus is Lord and he has risen from the dead. Everything he said would happen has happened. The disciples remember everything that Jesus had taught them, and they are at peace. There's no mention of the angry angry Jewish leaders uh, or Roman leaders from this point onwards. There is no questioning, no ifs, no buts. They are at peace. And what I want to say to you this morning is this. That same shalom, peace, that Jesus brings to the disciples is here for you this morning. Let's turn to Philippians 4 and verse 4 to 7. It says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What an incredible few verses. Friends, this is key for all of us. Not just those of us who are trapped by fear this morning. Paul sets out for us here a step-by-step guide of how to know peace, which transcends all understanding. Three steps. Are you ready? So, number one, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the salvation that you have been given. God so loved you, me, everyone, that he has given us his one and only son who died on a cross and rose again three days later so that we might have a perfectly restored relationship with our Father in heaven. Jesus 
is alive. Amen? Amen. His sacrifice on the cross covers all sins. All sins. Rejoice. This day, you can know the freedom that Jesus brings, the restoration he brings, the salvation he brings, the life, the healing, the security, the passion, the love, the peace that he brings. Rejoice in the Lord. Two, pray with thanksgiving. Bring everything to Jesus. Pray not with a woe is me, but in the confidence of your eternal salvation. Pray with thanksgiving first. Thank you, Lord, that I am new in you. Thank you, Lord, for my job, for my house. Thank you, Lord, for my, my family. Thank you, Lord, for, my, for, for the little things that you bless me with. Thank you, Lord, for my neighbor who's actually really difficult to love. Thank you, Lord. We pray with thanksgiving. And finally, it's not even really a step. You just do one, two, and then it happens. You receive peace. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We receive peace. It really is that simple. We rejoice, we pray with thanksgiving, and we receive peace. When our daughter Noah was seven weeks old, she got a bit of a sniffle, which is a bit gutting, really, especially when they're seven weeks old, and what meant an even worse night of sleep for Ellen. But over the course of a few days... Over the course of a few days, she actually began to get worse. That was over the weekend. I returned home from work on the Monday morning, uh, Monday morning, Monday evening. I go to work during the day. (laughs) And I will never forget this. I walk in the door and walk into the living room, and Noah is lying in my dad's arms, fighting to breathe. Her chest is sucking in. It is... The, one, of the, one of the scariest things that I have ever seen. Fighting for every breath. At this point, we phoned 111, and I can tell you, it's, it felt like seconds, and our room is filled with paramedics. Noah is admitted and taken with Ellen by ambulance to hospital, and for two days, we watch our little girl struggle to breathe. We have to feed her through a tube. And dis- but despite this, all of these stresses and strains, both Ellen and I felt at peace. Not by our, uh, not by our own means, I can definitely tell you that, but because it, is, because it is not possible to look upon a poorly child and think, oh, it's, everything's going to be fine. But because we prayed, our community group prayed, The church prayed that we would find peace. No matter what happened to Noah, we knew that God was in control and that we could trust him. Now, at this point, we're going to have a little pause, and I'd like to invite Debbie Wood, who's going to come up. Debbie is, oh, hang on, technophobia. How do I turn this on? 
there. Hello? That could, that could be this one. Hello? Debbie, say, Debbie, say hello. Hello. Excellent. Hello. Okay. Uh, so, uh, Debbie is a member of the church here, <laughs> yeah. and we've known Debbie for a few years. She helps to oversee our community groups. She's part of the pastoral team of the church, and we would consider Debbie and Gary both very good friends of ours. Uh, so, Debbie, I'd just like you to share a little bit with us. So, first of all, what was your fear? My fear was to do with Luke being ill. He was taken seriously ill six years ago. Um, and after three weeks, we were warned that he might die because he was so poorly. Um, and so my fear was the fact that he might die, or if he didn't die, that he might suffer from long-term health issues. And under that, that he might fall away from God. Okay. So. Uh, okay, so... Obviously, this could be something that could have really stunted your walk with God. Um, talk us through what happened. Like, what processes did you kind of go through in, in through all of that? Um, well, initially, you're in shock, I think. Um, but um, over time, and initially, God really held us through everything, and he has held us through the whole journey. But it was when Luke came home disabled with a Zimmer and wheelchair that I knew I had to spend time with God to get through my day. And um, there were, um, it was just a really difficult time, um, but I knew that I had to come to Jesus. because The thing is, when something like that happens, you have to weigh up, um, is God good? And I concluded that he was, because that's what the Bible said. Can he heal Luke? And I concluded that he could. Well, if he was good and wasn't healing Luke, then he must have purposes for Luke. Mm. Um, So um, over time, what happened was um, I learned to face my... I think the thing with fear is you have to face it. It's no good trying to go, la, 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 I don't fear it. Fear Mm. it. You've got to face it and... um, and come to Jesus in it. And um, crucial to me facing it was reading the Bible. The Bible was just a treasure of strength to me. And something that in particular has held me has been, um, there's a story in Samuel about David um, and his camp being plundered. Mm. Um, And it says when David came back to the camp, um, he was devastated and all his men kept blaming him because all the wives are gone, all the children are gone, all their goods are gone. And um, it says that David wept until he had no strength left to weep, and then he strengthened himself in the Lord. And what I've learned over many years, it's six and a half years now, is you can't go straight to strengthening yourself in the Lord. Those verses in Philippians, you know, um, do not be anxious about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. Mm. And that, that exactly what you were saying, it's thanking him and... Um, and uh, sorry, it's, it's being honest with him, Lord, you know, is Luke going to die? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, it's then um, strengthening yourself in the Lord after you've acknowledged the pain and the worries and the fears. Yeah, great. And just one final question. Is, is it easy now? Um, I wouldn't say it's easy now. There are different things coming up. We've, Gary and I have had a spate of different circumstances. We've got health issues in our wider family at the moment. My brother has been diagnosed with a, um, a life-threatening heart condition, which is genetic, so we have now to be tested. It isn't easy now. Like, this walk is a battle. Mm. But actually, I tell you, you do, over time, God strengthens you, and your default is not fear. Your default is faith. 
because you align it with what the, the, the and mm, it's not that I, it's it's just there yeah yeah brilliant thank you so much debbie should we give debbie a warm hand Well, God is good, isn't he? Now, before we move on, I just feel like I need to echo what Debbie said about a continuing sense of God's peace. Just because we find peace in God doesn't mean that we're guaranteed a peaceful life, okay? I don't want you to walk away with that illusion this morning. It's because we have peace that we can take on and walk through all that life has for us, knowing that Jesus is the anchor for our souls through the storms, just as we heard from Debbie. It's not in her own strength, but it's in God's strength. Let's track back to the passage for a moment, as there's another level to Jesus entering the room. His greeting of shalom brings to fruition a string of promises that he gave to the disciples before the crucifixion previously in chapter 14 and chapter 16 of John. In chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus says to them, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid." And in chapter 16, verse 33, he says to them, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Jesus' greeting is a reminder to the disciples of the promises that he made to them. It brings it to life for them. Jesus turns their grief into joy, just as he promised. Chapter 16, verse 20. I tell you the truth, or truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. Isn't that an incredible reflection of where we are with the disciples right now? You will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. They're in that room, weeping, lamenting, and the world outside celebrates in the death of Jesus, you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. Jesus' entrance and declaration to the disciples confirms his status as the Son of God. By showing the disciples the scars, not only in his hands and his feet, but in his side, Jesus proves he is who he says he is, and the penny drops for the disciples. They don't get it in chapter 14 or chapter 16. They get it now. Jesus proves who he says he is. His miraculous entrance, again proof of who he is. This summer, my school put on a production of Joseph and his amazing technicolored dream coat. So I've spent a lot of time hearing that story over and over and over again. Joseph was an amazing character. Throughout all that life threw at him, he never let go of what God had promised him. He was hated by his brothers. They sold him into slavery. He was imprisoned unjustly by Potiphar after his wife lied about Joseph's conduct. 
he was left to rot in jail after he correctly interprets a dream and frees a man and is left behind by Pharaoh's cupbearer. He is forgotten, the lowest of the low. The list stacks up against him. But Joseph trusts what God has promised, and he is at peace throughout the storms of life. There is even some comparison between Joseph appearing to his brothers and Jesus appearing to the, brother, to, to the disciples. In Genesis 45, as Joseph reveals himself, it says that the brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified in his presence. Joseph forgives his brothers and tells them not to be distressed. Of course, the musical version doesn't quite do justice to this original story, but the sense of joy that the brothers have as they return to their father to deliver the news with forgiveness on their hearts is overwhelming. So too should our response be to this passage. So, courage, number three. Now that we've received this shalom peace from Jesus, what do we do with it? Let's read together verse 21 and 22. I'll read it from here. We go. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, Hang on, sorry, keep going. Uh, If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Firstly, uh, so there are some finer points that we can have a look at to focus in on here. Firstly, the way that Jesus speaks is interesting. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. He is telling the disciples that his and their mission is to the wider world. This isn't Jesus stepping back from his duties. He's telling them that if they're not forging ahead, sorry, he's telling them they're not forging ahead with their own mission, but that he's already gone ahead of them. It is a continuing mission. It is, in fact, the first step in his commissioning of the disciples before Pentecost. He imparts some part of the Holy Spirit with them as he breathes on them. Well, you might say that's great for them, they were there. But what about us? Hebrews 6, 16 to 20 tells us that through Jesus, we have a steadfast anchor. No matter what comes our way, we can rest assured in the promise of God's unwavering love. The verses in Hebrews detail to us that unlike our own promises or oaths, which are lost or broken or ultimately run out, God has sworn eternally upon himself to deliver those who accept and trust in Jesus. What a promise. Jesus is speaking as much to us in John as he was to the disciples. He is telling us to go. What did the disciples do? They unlocked the door and went out. They, with confidence in Jesus, stood up to their fears. Jesus didn't open the door. They did not to an unknown, unprepared mission field, but out into the world in knowledge, in the knowledge that Jesus was with them and that they were continuing to follow his mission. As well as this, with the, as well as this, with the knowledge of, our, of Philippians 4 and Hebrews 6 that we now have, we should be able to open up our own doors 
and step out to face anything that the world could throw at us. You can receive that same Holy Spirit that Jesus imparted to the disciples here this morning. The Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity of God and is often given the name the Helper. With the Holy Spirit in us, we can go out into the world with Jesus with us. Just as a side note here, Jesus doesn't give the disciples the authority to forgive sins directly. Only God can do that. I think he's giving them the authority to speak freedom over people who have confessed sins. We have that same authority. We can guide people to Jesus, and when they confess their sins and that they need Jesus, we can say, he has done that for you. We have that same authority. So, to conclude... Jesus enters our lives through locked doors, brings revelation, restoration, and then empowers us to leave our own locked rooms to face whatever life may throw at us. Jesus is the key. He is the restoration man. We are heirs in Christ this morning, and you can know the freedom, the peace, the love of our Creator God. By accepting the Holy Spirit into our lives, Jesus gifts us with an eternal peace, defeating fear and emboldening us with the courage to go out and share his word. Can I have the band up? We're going to respond to Jesus. Um, Jim, I was wondering, the song that we did before, just before we closed... Could we, do, could we do that one? Because I thought it was... You were greater. One. Yeah, you were greater. I think it was brilliant. Ben led us really excellently. I think that would be really great to sing that one again. So I think there are a few groups of people here who need to respond to Jesus this morning. The first group, and I think probably the most important group, are if you are struggling with fear this morning, if you are feeling locked in to your room... You need to know the peace that Jesus can bring. You need to know shalom this morning. Perhaps you need a refreshing of the Holy Spirit this morning. You're feeling ready to be sent. Perhaps that's you this morning. Or perhaps you you know about Jesus, you've heard about Jesus you need help to open the door. So just as the band play and as we begin to sing, I want to challenge you, I want to challenge you to open that door and walk forward. Okay? Opening a door is a physical act. You have to physically do something to open a door. And I want you to physically do something this morning. I want you to come forward and receive peace. Even if you don't feel necessarily trapped in the room, you want to just receive peace, and you, you can come forward. We can all respond to that this morning. But if you are trapped, if you feel trapped by fear this morning, I want you to respond to God. Come forward. So just as we sing this song, let's respond to Jesus. Do you want to stand? Let's open our hearts to him.